This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Judy Cho. And uh, Judy, you have less than a month left until your uh, KetoCon speech. How's the practice going? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so Laura knows that I'm kind of uh, worried or anxious about our talk or my talk because, no, I seriously imagined having you just come on stage with me, by the way. It's listen, you keep saying our talk when it's talking about your talk, like it's all your information, but you keep representing it as this this thing we're doing together. I told Judy she's gonna have to zoom practice with me ahead of time. Um <laughs> this is what I do professionally is like deliver speeches and stuff a lot of times. And so I told Judy she's gonna have to like get on camera and then like deliver her speech to me and I can coach her through the public speaking portion of it. She you know, I don't know any of the information, but I'll give her public speaking tips. Yeah. So I was talking to Laura offline asking about like, what, what does she think makes a talk a good talk or what does she use? Does she use comedy, which I'm totally sure she does, <laughs> but does she use stories and does she use PowerPoints? And she says she uses a little bit of everything, but I think I'm always, I've always been someone that needs to do things good or great. And I know that public speaking is not my thing. And, but I think there's that little bit of stage fright. And I know everyone hates public speaking except for you, Laura, but I, I just never thought in my life I would have to do public speaking. And I like doing interviews because it's just connecting one on one with someone. Even this is just us talking, but it's different when we have to present in front of a lot of people and make sure they learn and they're engaged. And there's so many things to it. Your nerves come into play. And I, I never thought of this going to all these conventions and hearing talks, but now that I have to do something and I want to make it good and make an impression for the carnivore community, and I don't want to really do like public speaking a little bit, but 
I know I have to. And so, yeah, where I was just picking Laura's brain and I don't know, like, what do you think, Laura, if someone is going to do even a school presentation or a, um, a company presentation, like what are some, a tip or two that you would recommend? I mean, more than anything, you have to be prepared and you have to be genuine. And so really it's, you have to really be an expert in like what you're talking about. I mean, I wing a lot of stuff. Let's be real. Everything I do on Instagram and YouTube is all just me winging it, but that's different than like an actual polished presentation. Um, That's not how I present my normal uh, professional life. But if you are doing it, I mean, being really prepared, which is done, you are, we already know, everybody knows that's what you will be very prepared. Um, and then just being genuine, which I think is something that you are open about your life and your experience and why you're passionate about this. And I think that, you know, being connected to what you're saying is really important. You have to have a reason for why you're sharing it. Um, and I think for you specifically, that's the case. And beyond that, it's just trying to make a connection with a couple people in the room so that, you know, if you can connect with a couple people, then everybody will feel that same connection. Yeah, it makes sense. It's terrifying, though. It definitely is hard. I know um, our friend Barbara is going to be going to KetoCon um, with me. And so we'll be like doing a lot of the um, going. I know you're going to be busy with a lot of other stuff, plus your family lives there. And so she and I are going to be attending all the speeches. But we said that we're going to dress up like as if it was Comic-Con and we want to wear like a bacon and egg costume. So I'll be the bacon and she'll be the egg. And then we'll come to sit in the back of your presentation dressed as a bacon and an egg. <laughs> like or you, I, be the, or you can be the decoration on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll like flank you. So you're talking about <laughs> eating meat-based diet and then like you have a bacon and an egg standing behind you. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it'd be very fitting for a keto conference and people would, I was like, people would want their pictures with the bacon and the egg, <laughs> but we both agreed that you probably would act like you didn't know us if that happened or we would I distract know, you I need too to be much. super professional. No, no. I think it'd be funny. This is, the to- this is the topic. Let us know if you think it would be funny if we showed up. I don't know what, if the, if they would care, obviously this isn't like a real co- uh, comic con and people aren't going to be wearing costumes, but I feel like we would be a hit if we were in a bacon and an egg costume. <laughs> And just skipped around the expo. <laughs> and then I would go to the carnivore snacks booth and like grab a, bi- a bag of carnivore snacks and then just like walk around the expo dressed as a bacon eating meat. <laughs> I feel like that would be fitting. That's so funny. Yeah, I think uh, it's a, definitely an intention grabber, but I think it will be funny if anything. And it'll be memorable. So that's also good too. Yeah, there you go. The analytical side of me started watching a bunch of talks and thinking of what is a good, like what was memorable about that talk. And I was reading books and just doing all this nerdy stuff to figure out what is the secret sauce of making a good talk. And what I do know is that I don't like it when people are just reading off their slides or um, or they're just talking bullet to bullet. And I know a lot of people do that, but I know that's not as engaging. I don't know. But I think you'll do a good job of like mixing in your personal stories with some of the stuff that you're talking about. So everything will be perfectly branded nutrition with Judy, but then also (laughs) it'll have your personal touch added to it. I think that's important. And I think too, you know, a lot of people love the um, relatable element. And I think also like having some good scientific information, like you said, where they walk away learning something is really important. Um, And I think there's, it's a, it's good to find the balance of that. Yeah, I just hope I get enough rest because of the the panel in the morning. So this is okay. Let me give some context to y'all. So Judy, we know, is not a morning person. 
but she is also speaking on the entrepreneur panel. And isn't that at like 6.30 in the morning? Okay, so I just looked it up. Um, the VIP three-day pass, that allows you to access to everything. It gives you access to the VIP breakout room presentations, the VIP seating area, refreshment area, dinner. And then you also get access to the entrepreneur mastermind. And yes, the entrepreneur mastermind is starts at 6.30. So I think I have to wake up super early to get there. But that- Yeah, because you got to drive downtown too. You could just crash with Barbara and I the night before. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to sleep. I'm sure the three of us together <laughs> are going to sleep. This is a plan for success. I'm totally down for this. I really think this is a great idea. And then watch, you'll, c- no, and then what's going to happen is you're going to come out wearing the bacon costume. That's how tired you're going to be. I know. And it's just, I could hide behind a bacon. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the entrepreneur mastermind is two hours. It's before the opening ceremonies of Saturday on Saturday. And it's just a bunch of business owners um, and sharing their success stories or strategies. I think a little bit will be our own journey and then people asking their own Q and A's. And so there's brands that are coming. There's me, that's a nutritionist and having my own business. And then there's other companies that are just sharing how they've learned and grown in the business. Um, I think it's a good opportunity if you're just stuck uh, online trying to be a practitioner and how do you kind of grow And then if you have a brand or a product that you're trying to grow or service, um, it may be helpful to also talk to these people because some of them have million dollar businesses. That's one of the things I like a lot about um, KetoCon versus some of the other conferences is they do a lot of panels at KetoCon. So you're able to like ask a lot of questions. You can talk to a lot of different people at the same time. So they're doing the entrepreneur one. There's one on fitness specifically, um, the carnivore panel, which you and I are both speaking on. And then there's like a success story panel, which kind of just talks about all different kinds of people from keto carnivore backgrounds um, and people who've been successful with like weight loss or reversing their health problems, um, all all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited for the carnivore panel. Um, I think it's exciting. We've been talking a little bit about the excitement around all the carnivore movement and um, how there's a lot of speakers that are meat only or meat based uh, that are carnivore that are attending this KetoCon event. And we haven't had any type of meeting specifically for carnivore since Carnivory Con in I think like three years ago by Amber O'Hearn. And that was amazing. Um, so it's, it's so nice that Robin was able to open up space for the carnivore community and do this panel where it's an hour and we are able to answer anyone's questions. Yeah. And then the fact that there's going to be some kind of keynote speakers um, that are carnivores, I think we haven't really, like you said, we haven't really had anything like this in many years. So the fact that even though it's called KetoCon, it's still, we still fall under that same umbrella of like not eating carbs and processed foods and it all kind of goes under the same bubble. And I think it's great that we're going to be able to bring some more awareness, even in the keto community. Cause I do think there's probably people in the keto community who still haven't heard of carnivore or haven't tried carnivore. And and there's still, even in the keto community, people who think that they have to eat vegetables or they have to eat all these salads and they have to drink their bulletproof coffees. Um, and they're still hesitant to cut those things out and having this carnivore, we can have our own carnivore conference. Sure. Fine. But the way to reach more people is to go where the people are. And this is where yeah. the majority of the people are going to be people who already have an open mind about not eating carbs and sugar 
And then we just are talking to them about like, you can cut out those keto treats, which let's be honest, most people know that those are not helping them anyway. Um, and then also vegetables, which might be causing them inflammation or causing them digestive issues or other health issues. They're already in this place to be able to be more open-minded about it. So I'm really excited to, um, that, we're, that, you know, there's this carnivore representation going to be at KetoCon this year. When I was keto, there wasn't a lot of keto snacks. So I had to make my own little fat right. bombs and stuff. There wasn't a lot. And so it wasn't that hard for me to move to carnivore because, I mean, it just was a lot of effort for me to make coconut muffins and all of those things. But now that keto snacks are everywhere, I wonder if the transition to carnivore is a lot harder because there's so many options still in a in a keto diet that it's not as restrictive as it used to be when you and I both started. Yeah. When I was around, I think the really the one main keto treat that I was eating back in the day was like quest bars and uh, Lily's chocolate bars. Only the were like around back then. And I remember having those um, and ended up cutting them out just because they made me feel really terrible. But now, I mean, you, you can't go to any store without having like almost aisles full of options. And I do think though, that most people who are on, there's like a wide variety of people who are on keto. There are some who are, they call themselves dirty keto and have all of those types of things and really only worry about like net carbs and they enjoy all the magic that comes from like sugar, alcohols and fiber and that stuff. But then there's also people who really take whole foods keto very seriously and it's almost like they're doing carnivore, but with some vegetables and maybe some nuts added. And I think for a lot of people, if your health can tolerate that, that's a great place to be. If you want to call yourself keto or be in that keto world where you're eating a lot of meat, and then you're also having some vegetables and some nuts and things occasionally, I think that's great if your body can tolerate those. Most of us who end up on carnivore, it's because we can't uh, tolerate those things. So I think that the understanding that a lot of those keto treats are not really beneficial is not, um, it would be really hard. I think for people who are having a lot of those to transition to carnivore, definitely. But I don't think it's an unknown thing that some of those are not helpful for their diet. That, yeah. They're making you stall. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I am excited that carnivore gets this little exposure, I guess, in the keto space because KetoCon is the biggest keto conference out there. I've been there for the last four years. And the first few were only a certain spot of the whole conference area. And then now I think they get the whole place. um, And they've never had that before. So that'll be really cool. And it'll just be a lot bigger. Uh, Robin also mentioned to us that Netflix is coming um, to record, I guess, a little bit of KetoCon. And so that'll give us even grander exposure to a lot of people. And I think that's really good. I think personally, uh, when I talked to Robin, I was like, Oh, that's so good for you. She's like, No, this is so good for us. It's the community, we are getting more exposure as to how important this diet is for the community and how then it'll trickle down to other people of hey, this diet is actually normal. It's not restrictive. It's not just for people that have epilepsy. And it's not a diet that you can only do um, for short term, but it's normalizing it and making it just very reachable. And, and so I am excited. I'm excited that uh, Netflix will hopefully record a bit of it and share to more people and have more people learn about uh, this way of eating that can actually save our lives. And that's where we get the science to change. That's where we get the nutritional information to change, like things like you're doing with your research to try to get actual science to change and guidelines to change. 
you know, as much as we think keto is mainstream because everybody talks about it and there's all these products that are around it, we still don't see like the, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of documentaries that are about it. A lot of us found keto back in around, you know, 2017 or so when the magic pill came out, I think is that movie that really kind of sparked the movement. But I don't know of any movies that have been out since then. And that's been a long time ago since there's really been any kind of like Netflix popular mainstream movie of any kind. So having something being done now would be really helpful. I know Brian Sanders still has food lies that he's working on. Um, And I think he's announced that that is now turning into a six part Netflix series. So it'll be six 40 minute episodes rather than just being a two hour movie, which is so funny. We were joking in Austin when I was there a couple weeks ago about how nobody wants to sit down and commit to two hours. That's way too long. I would never watch a two hour movie, but yeah, I'll sit down and watch six 40 minute episodes. Sure. Easy. That's no problem. Um, but I'm really excited now because he's he has so much more time to be able to explain that story that he's trying to share. But a couple of things like that, if we can get a couple of things on mainstream Netflix, then that's going to really lead people. And I think that will continue the momentum of the movement to then affect the medical community itself. I agree. I think when people get better and then their doctors see them, And uh, the doctor asked, what are you doing? I just got an email today and the person said that they're, oh, so they had rheumatoid arthritis. They learned about carnivore and she says she listens to this podcast. So hello. (laughs) Hello. Um, But she, so she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and then one year later decided to do carnivore. And then now everything has improved. So she's lost weight, all her markers. She's like on less and less medication. And her doctor said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And is now supportive of the carnivore diet. And that's how you get in a doctor's ear and you can actually change their mind because when you see lab work go in the right direction and you see healing, there's no amount of literature that says, meat causes heart disease or saturated fats are so bad for you. Well, if you see your patient healing, that's all it takes. Yeah, absolutely. My mom's doctor was very open to that. And she ended up bringing her some books from Dr. Jason Fung. Um, This was before your book existed, but now I would recommend you take her Judy's (laughs) book, but she had taken her the diabetic code book. Um, because my mom's doctor was just shocked. She's like, in all of my years of being a doctor, I've never seen anybody Mm. completely reverse their diabetes. I've never seen anybody get off of all their medication. And I've never seen anybody heal themselves the way that you have. And she brought her, like my mom brought her this book to try to help her. And now she, the doctor buys this book for other patients of hers that she has. And like, this is the huge impact that we can have. Um, And I think that the more mainstream information is out there, the more that we can affect the masses and really have the majority of people heal. Yeah. And I I think you are right about there's still a lot of education that needs to happen. I mean, I just had a call with the SIRS doctor because I'm trying to build out my network. And he asked me like, so what's the difference between keto and carnivore? He understands they eat meat, but doesn't understand the nuances of what what is so different. And I know a lot of people in the keto space will think that carnivore is just a subset of keto. But it is a little different, um, especially the dietary, what we allow and don't. When we're in the community, we think it's so obvious, like we know what a carnivore diet is. I think the general population still does not. Oh, yeah, definitely not. And I think most people still hear keto and maybe they know what it is or they see products that have keto on it, but they just think it means like low carb or some version of that. I still think that there's really this not a deep understanding of keto um, in the general community, let alone 
carnivore. Yeah, absolutely. Most people that I encounter in my everyday life, which is a lot because I travel a lot and I end up eating a lot of meals with people. And then if you Google my name, it gets weird. And so like coming up that I eat, I'm like recording myself in restaurants. Like it's obvious you can fly under the radar and eat carnivore and travel and work. And nobody would really need to know what you do on a daily basis. I obviously am very public about everything. So it comes up a lot, but most people that I talk to um, know nothing about carnivore at all. What are, you know, the people that you work with when they hear that you basically only eat meat, what is their reaction to you? You know, even when you say I only eat meat, they still don't understand that. Like I was having lunch with somebody, we were at a deli and I was ordering like just the meat in a bowl and all this kind of stuff. And so then she was like, oh, are you like gluten-free? And usually like, again, you don't have to be as open as I am. I just bring up these conversations. Like I invite them. I could have just said like, yeah, gluten-free because you're in a sandwich place and you're getting no bread. (laughs) Easy conversation and you're done. And I was like, no, I just eat meat. And, um, she was like, Oh, cool. Like no meat. Or she's like, yeah, like just meat and rice. And I was like, no, no rice. Like it just really, I think people just, when you say meat only, they still don't understand that it's like meat only. Um, I don't know. A lot of people, it really depends. I get such different reactions. Like some people, let me say this too. And people feel the need to justify their own eating behaviors to you when they find out how, how you're eating. So the minute that I say like, Oh yeah, I was really unhealthy and I eat only meat and it's made me really healthy. You know, I try to stick to that. Then they're like, Oh yeah, I should do something or I do this. And I, I can't tolerate, like they feel like they have to explain to you why, especially if that person feels insecure about their own weight, like they don't even have to be overweight, but if they feel insecure about their own weight, they are then justifying to you especially if like they just ordered a cheeseburger and fries or something, um, then they feel, I think it really sometimes makes other people feel self-conscious, which I feel bad about, but it doesn't mean I'm going to change anything, I guess. Um, most of the time though, I, people are just very curious and they just get interested in like, how does this work? And you have YouTube and it's like that, if that, I don't bring those things up obviously, but like if it comes up or if somebody were to Google my name, it gets a little obvious. And so that ends up, most people are just genuinely interested though, for the most part. Um, I kind of just wait until to see if anybody asks any questions. Like I I don't, I really don't bring it up as much as people think that I probably would. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Um, I I was at a baby shower and the lady's like, oh, you're a nutritionist. Like what kind? And I was like, oh, keto. So I'm like totally the opposite of me. I just try to go under the radar and I just don't want to argue because I live in Austin. There's so many plant-based people and plant-based is so friendly. And I just don't want to have to argue with people about it. And so the lady's like, oh, what kind of diet is the keto diet? And then her boyfriend said, oh, um, we kind of do keto. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they're explaining to me what they eat and they pretty much eat the Mediterranean diet. And, and that's not even keto, right? I mean, I guess it depends on the grams and if you're in a ketogenic state and all the scientific stuff that probably someone will judge me on saying that food is keto or not. But um, yeah, there's still a lot of education that is needed because they still do eat a lot of carbs where I'm sure they're more glucose burners than fat, fatty acid burners. Yeah. But in that situation, what are you going to do when you just told them like, Oh, keto, whatever. And then they like Google you at some point, like this is 2022 people Google you. So you hung out with them. I know. I just assume no one Googles me. 
I get it a lot mainly because I show up to these corporate meetings where people have never met me before. And so they try to find my LinkedIn. And so by searching for me on, they like Google my name in, in order to find my LinkedIn profile to like do research before these corporate meetings or before I do like a visit at their location and stuff. And so I think that's probably why people end up Googling me, I guess, like, because they're trying to prepare ahead for some like meeting that they want to represent well. And, you know, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. So I, and I did that all the time in corporate as well, but these people I'm just meeting on the spot. So if they do that afterward, like I don't ever get to hear it or see it because I don't know that. If you met somebody new and you were going to like go have a play date, would you like Google them? But if you're like a new family that you met before you like went to their house? No, I don't do that. You do that. (laughs) I don't. I had. I, I I haven't. But I mean, I guess I don't. I haven't been in that situation where I've met new people like that. But I, I mean, should. So, and so I only. So recently, the only people I've googled or I've searched is uh, my the new school that we're potentially going to the principals or whatever, if you want to call them principals, but those people to kind of just see where they coming from, what's their ideology about values and raising children and teaching children. And I just wanted to know kind of their resume more than anything. But if I just make a random friend, no, I don't search them because (laughs) I think part of the reason is I don't want to search somebody. And then I learn all these things about them. And then I kind of judge them ahead of time. of like, oh, they're nasty people. And then so I guess and maybe I'm just old. And since I'm in my 40s now, um, I I didn't grow up with Google. You're in your 40s. You've turned I'm going to hit Mary Perry menopause, but no. <laughs> so now that I'm 40, I, I didn't grow up with Google. So they didn't have that. It, that came out when I think I was in college or a little bit after that. So we had like the yellow book or the directory and that was it. We didn't know how to learn about other people. And I don't know. I just like to give people a chance in that sense. But so I guess I assume that everyone else is just like me and they don't search people, but I guess they do. And well, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't in my real life. So I say that, but I don't now that you're saying like, you're judging me for it. I don't, I'll admit that I don't, <laughs> <laughs> but I do in like a corporate sense, I guess it made sense. Like the few times that it's happened to me, but I think it's obviously like just gotten around as well. You know, like it's just, even though it's a big company, like it still is a small world. And so it usually comes sure, up or something, sure. but I mean, also like, like I mentioned before, I'm not with a group of people, obviously, but like when I'm by myself, you know, I'm like recording at a table. And so I get into a lot of conversations with like servers and we have wonderful time and conversations where they enjoy kind of saying like, what is this about? But nobody has really ever heard of um, carnivore before. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody who's like, oh yeah, I do keto or honestly, I've been having the most fun with, there's a local butcher in town in kind of, it's like 30 minutes from my house. Actually, it's far. Uh, It's called the pork shop. And they are just a butcher shop that specializes in pork. And the guy who runs it has been like keto for like five years. And so he sells a lot of different pork stuff out of his butcher shop. That's all like low sugar. He sells specific keto bacon. He sells, um, a lot of sausages that don't have sugar in them, like stuff that he would want to eat personally because he's keto. And so then I've been making him a lot of like pork chips and stuff that I make at home. And then I go take it to him in his shop. And then I trade him for sausages and um, pork loin and like other kinds of meats. Like we've been bartering back and forth with different kinds of pork. Um, Cool. Yeah. And then randomly I hired a photographer recently to take some marketing photos for me and she's been keto for like 10 years, which that's like really crazy. Yeah. So just, it's been 
you know, there, we forget, like, I know keto has been around for a really long time. Um, but this concept of carnivore is still really new for a lot of people. Do you think both of the, them will try carnivore at one point? I think the butcher will for sure. I am like mm-hmm. this close to convincing him that he needs to do that. Um, we, I haven't talked, I, I don't know like what else he eats. He obviously eats a lot of pork because he owns a pork butcher shop um, and he eats sausage pretty much every day, but it's all stuff that he makes himself. Um, side note though, I actually, I want to go in and like film some stuff behind the scenes of his, like they do so much homemade sausages and like behind the scenes of a butcher shop or like they get in um, half you know, whole hogs that they then sell into quarter and half pieces for people if they want them. So I thought that'd be fun interest, but I don't know about the photographer. That would be interesting. I would be curious. I know sometimes though, I mean, like, listen, if you've been doing keto for 10 years, it's working for you. Like there's kind of no reason to do anything else at that point. Like, I don't know if she would have any motivation to go full carnivore. Yeah. I mean, why, why change anything that's not broken? I think for most people that come to carnivore other than the biohacking group, they come to carnivore because something's not working. And so then they're trying to right. fix something that's not working. And yeah. Um, and like you said, people end up on carnivore because we have, we are abstainers. We can't moderate food. We can't moderate sweets of any kind. I can't be that person just to have one bite of something and then go back to, you know, eating the way my diet plan or whatever that is. Um, and the keto treats are too triggering for us. We end up on carnivore and then also just, people that you work with people who are just really sick um, and need to do a lot of healing. Yeah. And I think that's why I decided in my KetoCon talk to talk about the ultimate elimination diet and trying to figure out your carnivore is different than my carnivore and somebody else's carnivore will be different. And we have different variations of it. And we have to ultimately find and marry the part that works for us, right? The thing that will allow us to thrive and do it consistently and long-term because that's the ultimate diet that will make you successful. And also we're coming out with the database, which is taking forever, but that will also help people figure out if they do want to add some type of plant back or remove some type of meat that may be causing issues. It allows them to figure that out a little bit easier with some of the evidence-based research instead of just polls or an influencer making a graph saying these are the best foods to reintroduce. And when that's a really catchy much... YouTube title though, is the seven best foods you should be eating. <laughs> I know, I know, but <laughs> okay. So I know it's not out yet, <laughs> but tell people what is your database and what is it going to be when it does come out? So we have a name for it and I'm excited to share, but since I'm banned on Instagram, I'm like, maybe I don't share until I'm outside of the yeah. um, outside of jail, but I'm excited for it because there are so many different diets listed and then then so many different types of toxins, including gluten, all the anti-nutrients, even histamines, sugar, or the glycemic index, even fructose and uric acid. And that's why it's delayed because I decided last minute to add fructose and purines. And then- Which is important actually with everything that's been discussed um, over the last couple of, you know, months. Like it's just really important. I think it's, I know. Well, I mean, some, some influencers in the space think that you cannot get gout on a carnivore diet, but you can. So, um, yeah. So I think that data is important. The purine one is a little tricky because purines actually come from four different sources and you can produce it in your body and there's other components. So some people measure purines by purine. Some people measure it by after it gets converted to uric acid. So that one's going to be a little tricky, 
So the data is going to be a little novel in that area, but I hope as a community, we can refine and improve it. I even asked Dr. Richard Johnson if he had a list that he, because he is an expert in all of this. And he was like, that's a great question. And he gave me a bunch of studies to look at. And a lot of them have different data. Essentially, the goal is that this database becomes really, really deep in data and context so that when people are, are, hey, I'm ready to introduce something, they, they can just introduce it and they know, okay, I know for sure I'm sensitive to gluten. So then you click something to remove all the gluten foods. And then it's, oh, I think I'm really sensitive to oxalate. So then you remove the oxalate foods and it will give you then a new list of foods you can eat that don't have oxalates and don't have gluten. And so I'm really excited about it. It's taken forever. And for the people that are keto that are saying, I know for sure I am not sensitive to all plants. I don't want to do carnivore. Well, maybe they just start off with, well, I think everyone's sensitive to gluten. So maybe I just remove gluten foods. And then you have this whole new list that's more keto focused. And, um, or you just say, I just want to remove lectins. And then you remove all the list of the lectins. And so it just keeps giving you this customized, personalized diet that you can follow. And you can monitor things and change things. And then we also added midway all like nutrient profiles. I know for each food, there's also like nutrient facts in it. So I'm excited because it's very, very, very robust. Um, on a side, there's all these resources and handouts you can also download too. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be such a comprehensive list. And I think it will make it way more accessible to people who are still scared of that carnivore label. And really, yeah. like we know the carnivore label is so broad right now. Um, that it means so many different things depending on, you know, who you're following. Um, but this is going to be a way of, I think, making it, like you said, more accessible to people who are coming in from a standard way of eating, but know they have to avoid gluten or people who are um, coming from keto and just looking to heal something a little bit. And I don't see people honestly using this forever as a customer. I just see maybe when I first start out and maybe a couple months I'll use it, but Generally, after a while, I'll know my foods and I don't really need to go back in there. My ultimate goal is that practitioners use it so that practitioners then can customize and create an ideal elimination diet for their clients and then also the reintroduction part of that. And so ultimately that people can find the right foods for them. And so this is not carnivore specific. It's well, it is in the sense of how certain things are deemed like if something is high in polyphenols, I'll actually say avoid. Whereas I think people in the standard American diet will be like, polyphenols are so good for you, right? So maybe that type of uh, labeling makes it more carnivore friendly. But I would say the majority of people don't even know what polyphenols are. And I would probably be one of them, to be honest. But you're talking about nutritionists or practitioners in standard eating. And doctors, be- yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. So what's a polyphenol? It's a, it's a micronutrient um, that people would say is beneficial that are in plant foods that are considered like antioxidants and um, stuff to support the body. And for some people, it's just not ideal. So we can think of it as like almost like an anti-nutrient as well. Got it. But, and and so obviously this is going to be such an amazing resource, um, which I'm excited because I think it's going to, people who just I mean, there's a lot of people who are just wanting like, what's a list of, tell me a list of foods that I can eat. Uh, And that is going to simplify it and make it so much easier than trying to just like do, do all that research on your own. Um, But knowing it's coming from a trusted source and then just anytime though, in the meantime, or, you know, even after that, doing any type of elimination diet uh, is 
kind of the best way to determine like for you personally, like what's, if you don't know yet that oxalates are affecting you, then you might need to like go the elimination diet route to figure that out. Yeah. When I was writing the carnivore cure book and I needed to create the first top 10 foods to reintroduce as a plant, it was so hard to do that because there's so many nuances and variations of that. And so that's when I realized we need to really create this database of based on your needs, based on what you want to eliminate and reintroduce, then we can come up with your list. And so as a practitioner, that's beneficial because then I can say here, Laura Spath, here's the top 10 foods that you need to introduce based on glycemic index, based on whatever other anti-nutrient you're sensitive to. But then all these other foods are probably okay for you for your own journey. And that's what is not available right now in the space. People will say, I know I'm sensitive to, I don't know, like food dyes. Food dyes is not part of this. I don't know why I brought that up, but um, I'm sensitive to lectins and then gluten and oxalates. Well, we can do that for you or FODMAPs too. And it just, again, will say it's no longer, I don't, I can't eat all fruits or I can't eat all corns or all grains. It's very, very specific and everything is based on evidence-based research. So we cite all the, where we get our information and I mean, the education piece is, I think, of the resources is actually, I would almost say is probably going to be as thick as Carnivore Cure. And are you projecting when this will be out yet? So Kevin is testing the database and I keep throwing more stuff at them. I'm like, oh my gosh, we should also include this. And they're getting so mad at me. Sometime this year, for sure. I'm hoping really soon, actually, but who knows? Yeah, well, maybe by KetoCon. That's probably yeah. a little soon after that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the database should probably be ready before KetoCon, but I can't guarantee it. But, you know, talking about KetoCon, um, as we're wrapping up, is there a person you're kind of excited for? I mean, other than obviously the carnivore panel, I'm very excited and honored to be a part of it. But is there like a speaker or... I, I'm just excited to be a part of it. I think bef- before this year, and I know it was canceled in 2020, but I had just seen so many videos and watching everybody be a part of it in 2019. And I was so bummed that I didn't get to go and um, kind of hadn't planned ahead for that. And so I'm really excited to just kind of be there and be a part of it. And obviously to be able to share and meet so many people. I know my locals community, there's a bunch of people that are going to be coming to KetoCon and we're going to do a little okay. meetup and um, hang out. So I'm excited for that uh, element of it. Just the friends that I've met along the way, you know, there's uh, temple who's a nutritionist and she, we met her in January when we were at the low carb Boca and I'm so excited. She's speaking. Uh, I just love hearing people's motivational stories for sure. And then there's a bunch of carnivores speaking. Um, I am not up on the Dr. Anthony Chafee um, that everybody else is like, I have missed the boat when it comes to like learning his content, but he's going to be there and speaking. And so I need to do a little catch up on his content apparently. Cause I know I hear the buzz that he's coming, but I have not gotten on the Chafee train yet. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Chafee will be part of the carnivore panel. He'll, he's also, I think one of the main speakers, right? Um, yeah. He's doing his own speech on, it's called, why are we carnivore? So he's doing mm-hmm. like a straight up carnivore speech. And I know Dr. Baker is going to be doing like a carnivore speech as well. Yeah. So Dr. Baker will be there and he spoke two years ago when I was there and, or maybe it was three years ago and he'll be part of the carnivore panel as well. So that's exciting. And then A lot of the carnivores know Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. She's all about protein and how we need protein for longevity. So she's also speaking. 
it's exciting that there's a lot of people that are old and new in the community that are coming. I think people have been itching for a really good in-person conference. And so I feel that this KetoCon, it looks bigger and better than ever before. And I'm excited. There's a lot of stuff going on. And especially for the carnivore community, there's just a lot. Yeah, I'm excited. I know some of, like I said, I mentioned earlier, Carnivore Snacks is going to be there. Um, They're pretty specific about the products that they allow into the expo at all, but there are going to be a lot of like keto products. Um, But I know there, I know for a fact, Carnivore Snacks is coming and I would assume Carnivore Bar is coming um, and a couple of like other products that people use regularly. So I'm excited just to kind of be able to hang out mostly and just I'm excited to go eat some ribs because you and I had even, I think even on this podcast, we said, okay, we're going to wrap up and go eat some ribs. Well, we got there that day and the line was like an hour wrapped around the building and it was a Monday afternoon. And so at some point during KetoCon, I'm going to get a dang rib um, at Terry Black's (laughs) because that's what you got to do when you go to KetoCon. So I'm excited about that. After your 630 uh, entrepreneur panel, we'll go... fuel up with some fatty meat right when they open. (laughs) (laughs) I may just disappear after. (laughs) We'll see. I don't even know. I really do not know what I'm going to do, but I am more than anything. I'm honored to be a part of a few things. And so if I have to just close my eyes during the conference, I may just have to do that. Who knows? It's going to be great. Okay, guys, we hope that you will join us at KetoCon. And I think people are trying to plan a carnivore dinner, if I'm not mistaken, um, after hours. So if we do have one, I think everyone's invited. Um, It should be really fun. I hope that we can see you there in person. And it'll be a lot of fun to just hang out and meet community and feel inspired. I think that is the number one thing I always feel after. Last time I was there, I was hanging out with health coach Kate for a little bit. We went to Whole Foods. We walked there. And she lives in Australia, so she never gets salmon roe. And she bought some salmon roe. She's like, I'm really curious, like, what this is all about because, every, like, all of us talk about it. And she had some. And we just chatted there about local ranchers and a lot of things. And it was just good to have community. And so when she left, she called her boyfriend. And she felt this high of, oh, my gosh, these are my people. They get me. They get what I'm passionate for. And I think all of us feel that to an extent when we go to these events and we know that what we're doing for our wellness and health is not weird, but actually there's a large community out there. We may not be seen on mainstream media, but it is a movement. And if the more we go to these things and then share the word and become knowledgeable on the content, we can then spread the word and have people and then have Netflix join us so that eventually people can use food as medicine to heal. Yeah, we hope to see you guys there. And if you still need tickets, you can use the uh, code CATG10 to get 10% off that three-day pass. But uh, I think I said at the beginning of this episode, it was one month away. It's actually two months away. It's in July. <laughs> so you have a little more time than you thought, Judy, to uh, plan for your speech. So we'll get those practice sessions in. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. 
You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>